0: Well, hello, and welcome to Reanimated. This is episode 314. My name is Stuart. I'm on the coast, uh, the recently tsunamied coast of California. And uh, joining us from the less tsunamied coast of New York, uh, H.A. Conrad, hello.
1: Hello. Well, in all seriousness, as we were saying, you know, I'm glad that it was nothing, because if you think about what happened... You know, and in Thailand with the tsunami, what was, was that like 2004? I think five. Um, that was horrible, and it was like
0: a quarter of a million people dead,
1: right? So, I'm actually really psyched that it was a nothing tsunami warning. <laughs> so, that's just me, yeah.
0: Um, I mean, two but, people, I think at least two people have died one in California, one in Peru, I think, uh, just because surf was really, really high, like no, it was. But- I mean,
1: but the warnings were pretty much out there. So surf at your own risk. basically. Yeah. So.
0: yeah. I mean, you know, in a way those warnings only seek to only like serve to attract people to like, be like, oh, look, let's go look at the big waves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I noticed that the beach that my family goes to all the time, they weren't letting in day use um, people to like go to the beach, but they did not evacuate the campers. So that place always has a bunch of RVs. So they weren't too worried. And that beach is super low. Uh, I feel like maybe the the campsite is maybe uh, three feet higher than the beach, so hmm. that would have been an interesting choice in retrospect if uh, if things had gone differently. But yeah, so tsunami uh, uh, complete check. As as people were texting me yesterday, who had that on their end of the world bingo card? Um, nice, nice. Uh, but yeah, How, what 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 apocalyptic uh, you know things are happening in New York?
1: I mean not really I, you know the cream cheese is back so
0: that, was it gone where to go
1: so there was this weird thing over the holidays where like there was supposedly a cream cheese shortage but you know i think mainly for the sort of big bagel shops that order like the huge pallets um again i think it was a supply chain issue and they couldn't get some of the ingredients for it or something and um The cheesecake, like Junior's cheesecake and all those places were like, and the cream and the bagel places were losing their minds. And then uh, and then suddenly the cream cheese was all back. So that was that was, you know, but it never really actually went away. So I don't know if that was just some interesting marketing or I don't know. Um, Arguably
0: worse than a tsunami
1: it's definitely, you know, not on the level of tsunami. Um, and you know, here the Omicron has supposedly peaked. Um, but you know, it's interesting because everybody keeps making a big deal about that, but the level is still really high. So maybe it has peaked, but it's still a pretty high number. Um, so, you know, trying to sort of wade through that and, um, that's about all that's get going on here. How anything else other than tsunami or non tsunamis out there?
0: Yeah, just yeah. Omicron is obviously just like you know the one one more slap in the face from COVID as we try to I know. try to drag ourselves out of it. Um, We're just waiting to get it from school. Like mm. our kids are probably gonna bring it home, and I, I'm uh, part of me is like, you know what? Maybe I should just hope that it happens sooner rather than later because waiting, all this waiting is getting really old.
1: So I guess we'll just have to see what happens. Um, but you know, not a ton this week in terms of news items, um, which is a little bit unusual, honestly.
0: It's a lot of people reacting to all of us are dead. Apparently that's making a splash. Um, and so we're, we're super psyched to see it, but we still, it's still two weeks away. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, otherwise it's kind of some video game news because Dying Light 2 is coming out soon. And uh, that was, I don't know if you remember Dying Light One, HA. I think I made you watch some videos of it, and it was parkour and zombies and like a day-night cycle where at nighttime things got way worse for you as a player. Um, but yeah, so the second version, second iteration of that game is coming out. And I feel like it's been, I don't know, a good four years since the first one. So it'd be i I'm gonna pick it up. It'll be interesting to see. And um, another video game that's been getting a lot of play recently is Project Zomboid because they did a big um, update that lets you play multiplayer. So now you can like it's and it's like a isometric zombie survival game where you um, you, you can like, yeah, you kill zombies, you, you clean, clear out uh, compounds that you grow crops and stuff. And it can be pretty fun, but it's also pretty unforgiving, at least in my playthroughs of it. I've never made that much progress. Um, but yeah, so those are two games that have been making a lot of headlines lately, but nothing that we need to wax on about too long. Instead, we are here today to talk about Night of the Creeps, 1986 film by Fred Decker, uh, and starring some familiar faces from the 80s, uh, and then some less familiar, or some who have gone on to become, yeah, uh, not not huge stars, I guess. Uh, so, HA, did you want to? Um, First of all, this came this came across our uh, podcast last week as part of a list of like funny zombie movies that won't melt your brain, I think, from Tor.com of all weird places to get a list of zombie films. Um, uh, so I my first question to you of uh, for our recap is, uh, did you laugh during this film at any point?
1: Um, there was one scene that I laughed a lot at, during um, and I'll get into that in a second. But. It occurred to me that we had talked about at least the the reference of this film in Slither because okay. it had a lot of references to this film, um, and some, you know, kind of callbacks. Um, but the the scene that I left the hardest during, which I think had to be intentional, um, was the confession of Detective Cameron to uh Spanky as he calls him. <laughs> to- <laughs> <laughs> Who's the uh, character played by um,
0: Jason my, Lively.
1: Sorry, Jason Lively, um, where he is confessing to murdering the axe murderer that murdered his high school <laughs> Ex- sweetheart. Yeah. And the thing about that scene that is so funny is that Jason Lively's character is just like, ah, yeah, I don't, I. are you sure you want to tell me this? And then he's like sort of... <laughs> to get out of it but the scene just goes on forever where it just gets like more and more weird and strange and you know um
0: I mean isn't Chris a minor also and this detective has invited him home to drink whiskey with him like nothing nothing is like
1: a, a, a very funny vibe with this particular confessional so um so that scene I did laugh out loud
0: for. I would say um, the only scene where I actually chuckled or guffawed was when that same actor, um, Tom Adkin- Atkins, as Ray Cameron, mm-hmm. says the line that's on the poster The good oh, yeah, news is, a good one too. Yeah, the yeah. good news is your dates are here, the bad news is they're dead. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah, like, nice. Um, all right, so there were a couple of laughs, but I don't know that this was. I mean, I think I think in reading like the the x-ray behind the scenes trivia, I think they tried to make it funnier than I think that maybe it was. Uh, but there was some pretty laughable special effects here, um, especially all the fishing wire that I was able to see. I don't know about oh, you. No.
1: I mean, it was a bit, This is very much. I mean, and they even call it out in, almost in the very beginning. Um, but. It, I, It's deliberately supposed to be like a a B cheesy horror film. Mm-hmm. Um and they even call out like Plan Nine um, for Outer Space, which yeah. is like the the very the infamous Ed Wood film that just was incredibly weird and a flop and strange. And so I think that they were certainly trying to call, do like some call-outs with that. And then there was like a lot of in jokes. So like the, every all these people were named after very famous horror writers, directors. So we have Romero and Carpenter and uh, Landis, et cetera. Um, And the thing is, though, is that I think it doesn't like, yeah, there are moments like I get that this is supposed to be. And this has gained like a cult following, maybe because it is so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, The effects, but but the pacing, at least for me watching this now is so very slow. Um, and I'll admit, I kept looking at the the time I'm like, oh, my gosh, this hour and a half feels like it's been like three hours. Um, and I just don't know that it fully successfully hit what it was trying to do. Um, and all I could, you know, if you think about sort of. Um, like speaking of John Landis, like American Werewolf in London, to me, that hits all the the right it hits the right moments and tone if you're going for that kind of B horror film feel. Um, This felt a little too like laggy. It felt like a slog. I don't know. What did you think?
0: Uh, I agree that it felt um, long and like the runtime of the entire video is an hour and 29 minutes, which means that the movie is like an hour and 10, you know, with credits Uh, Mm. and it definitely does not. Yeah. It felt long. And I wonder though, how much of that is now our just like the ADHD of modern society and our inability to sit through slower stuff. But I think, you know, midnight mass was what we called a slowish burn also. Um, and we had fewer complaints about the pacing there other than the monologue. So I, I do agree with you though, that this, this could have used some peppier editing. And that was another part of the um, feedback from Fred Decker that the, uh, the, the studio or the, um, the executives got mixed in and were making edits that he hadn't even approved even so i think that it was a little bit plagued by that sort of stuff
1: yeah and i mean like just to not to like throw landis into this but i'm going to um just from a timing point of view so american World of london was predated this so that was like 81. And that was actually a pretty short film by comparison. It barely runs over an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, it runs a little bit more than an hour, but it, it feels like it's, you know, um, but the pacing of it is so much faster. Um, and this is it's if the executive that makes a little bit more sense, because if the executives got involved, you know, there was like a gratuitous like shower sorority thing. <laughs> Um, there was, yeah, there was like, I don't know. Um, there were things that to me, it was like, okay, well, maybe he had to do this. And, and I guess that makes a little bit more sense. Um, and, you know, Decker initially wanted to shoot this in black and white, like the whole thing. Instead, he ended up having to do, he, I, I think probably wanted more of a night of the living dead feel to it. Um and he did the beginning part of it in black and white and then it switches to modern day which to me does make sense. Um I don't know that it would have worked as well if it was all black and white. Um, yeah,
0: and, I was pretty happy when it switched from black and white yeah. to color.
1: Yeah, um I think part of why it has become a cult like favorite is because of how like just seriously cheesy and bad it is. Um and you've got a bunch of just very like Tropy things like with the sorority house and the fraternity guys, you've got the classic, you know, sort of nerds going after um, the unattainable sorority girl. There's like a very revenge of the nerds kind of feeling about it. Um,
0: which I mean, frankly, is- well, yes, I'm, I agree with you. And I'm sorry to, to, to interject. No, 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 go ahead. Um, but yeah, Cynthia or Cindy, because her name goes back and forth she's not that difficult or unattainable because they barely, they barely even like make an overture and she's just like drawn to Chris and he has. Right. Like, like just from that perspective of looking at this as just a love story, JC goes up and makes the first move and she seems more interested in him uh, because Chris is just standing over on the side of the room looking kind of odd. And I don't, I don't understand why she is drawn to Chris when JC is clearly the one with the charisma. Uh, who, who like went up to her and made the introduction and, and w- where Chris was like 30 feet away. Um, and, and honestly, the kind of looks that she was giving JC during that first scene in the party. Uh, I was convinced that she was like interested in him. I thought the story was going to go a different direction. But then like inexplicably, she's like drawn to Chris and is like, you know, trying to help him out. Even after JC's getting beaten up by uh, Bradster outside the the classroom uh it's 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 like yeah i, I could have used a little more of a believable uh, unattainable sorority president falls for fresh i mean is he a, are they freshmen i think they are they look like they're in a freshman dorm it, it's just a little silly yeah obviously this whole movie is a little silly so and um, that that scene where they get uh confronted by Brad and and some of the beta dudes though is also one of the bigger uh, bloopers in the film because there's a quick shot of um, the the gathered frat bros and in the background is an assistant director waving people out of the frame but not not knowing that they were in the frame.
1: Nice. There's also you know certain things about this that feel very much like thrown together. Um, so apparently the script for this was only written in one week, which makes sense if you listen to the dialogue, it isn't exactly um polished mm-hmm. I guess um, it feels a little clunky and then very like uh, like again, the pacing is just very strange with it um and the whole thing does feel very thrown together, and maybe part of that is deliberate, and you know that was sort of what they were going for, basically, but um.
0: I think that was on purpose. And if you read some of the behind the scenes stuff, Fred okay. Decker was basically trying to write every trope he could think of into the film. And so it is like an homage slash inside joke. Uh, yeah. But I don't, like I said, I didn't think that it was all that funny. We've had funnier versions of films like this. I think even well, Slither, Slither had better laughs. True.
1: And I mean, Slither was a callback to this, but certainly moved along a little bit better. Um, but uh tom atkins you've seen like in a bunch of stuff like he is just sort of one of those perennial character actors and actually has said that this particular role was his favorite yeah out of everything which is kind of interesting it's
0: kind of hard to believe um, right
1: it is um and originally this with he, that particular role was supposed to be played by kurt russell and then that did not happen um so you know i think he does have some really like good moments in this but it was definitely hard to to kind of get through this. And this is certainly I, I think you could be correct. I mean, maybe this is part of just we're used to faster paced things. But as I said, like, I just think other things have held up a little bit better than this. And I don't I, I feel like uh, tour.com has a lot to to answer for here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Certainly, in terms of like delivering on laughs, uh, yeah. another Tom Atkins uh, reference here, or not, yeah, is that two years later he did Maniac Cop, which we've talked about his role in that. I'm pretty sure he was the love interest, older cop for like the first half of the movie. Mm. He had a pretty weird role in that film where he like dies halfway through, but he's like the lead until Bruce, Ca- uh, Bruce Campbell takes over the lead. Mm. Remember that? It was kind of weird.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Movies in the 80s had just like they hadn't quite figured out (laughs) their screenplays yet, maybe. Uh, So that was pretty funny. Like he's been in a lot of good horror or he's been in a lot of horror, uh, including Halloween two or three um, and and other films like that. So he does bring a certain overwrought uh, scenery chewing thing to the screen his like his insistence on saying thrill me every time he answers the phone is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, The coroner always eating a sandwich everywhere he goes is also kind of funny, but I feel like they could have just done a little more with it.
1: Yeah. um, I did, you know, some of the, the sort of like the moments with some of the zombies, especially like the, the frat house zombies, like that bus thing, I did find some of that very funny as they're like crawling out of the bus. And the one guy that somehow managed to crawl all the way to the sorority house. um, And he's just like crawling on the lawn, like very, very slowly. Like some of that stuff is pretty good. And one Um, of those
0: zombies I think is Greg Nicotero. Yeah. He's um, he's credited as an extra as who plays a zombie, but I couldn't pick him out um, because honestly it's 1986. It's like a year after he did day of the dead. Uh, and I was trying to find him in crowd scenes, and then when I saw that he was a zombie, I was just like, "Oh, there's no way," because the, the the makeup but, was actually decent on the zombies.
1: Yeah, it was all right. Um, and then another piece of this that uh, it just was a little unusual to see is, is to have a disabled main character in mm-hmm. the way that JC is is he's really he's really out there. Um, and then I'll admit, like, I didn't like. They're, they have this whole they make a big deal of the fact that J.C. confesses his love to Chris in the tape. But I didn't I just thought they were really close friends. <laughs> I didn't I, I mean, I picked up on it, but it wasn't as overt as it probably would be if you were to make this now.
0: Is that being called out in the in the notes is like a an actual like a romantic love interest?
1: Yeah, like it was supposed to be that he was confessing his love. And I was just like, oh, they're just like super tight friends. Um, like I didn't pick up on that theme cause I, to me, it was very subtle. Like, so I didn't realize that until I read more of the reviews of this. And, but that is a pretty breakthrough storyline to have.
0: Um, certainly having a, yeah, a, a you know, a character with a disability in a film in the eighties and not really make a big deal about disability is a big deal right there.
1: Right. Um, and then to also have him be like, like confessing his love and being, you know, like that it was a very different thing to see. And this is like 1986 and not do it and not play it up in like a, a really negative way. Yeah. So that's, that was something I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Another interesting
0: but- note about that scene where he's like, where they're playing the recording uh, back to, to Chris as he's sitting in his dorm room is apparently Jason Lively um was such a goof, I guess that they had to, to get him to play the scene seriously, I guess they had to put up pictures of atrocities all around the set. And so he's like looking at a picture of Auschwitz or something while he's listening so that his facial expression would not become too lighthearted. Like to me, that is just, (laughs) I mean, I guess those are the tricks you got to do when your actors can't act Is that uh, because how hard is it to just look aggrieved, uh, (laughs) you know, in a 30 second um, recording.
1: Well, that's the thing is that Jason Lively, I think the only thing that I have ever seen him in was um, uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation. He was the new Rusty um, because um, he he was the replacement Rusty, I guess.
0: On European Vacation? But he does look <laughs> a little bit like Anthony Michael Hall. He's got
1: a little bit of Anthony Michael Hall. Um, more so in this than he did actually in European Vacation. But um he that's all I had seen him in. And now apparently he is, you know, he works for like a computer IT company and um, also has a. Uh, um, a He is the owner and operator of Jimmy Crack Corn, a mobile roasted corn business. Oh, so, in addition to being Blake Lively's half brother. So um, and then apparently he was in more recently, um, something called Hickok, which I've not seen. Um, which is a about Wild Bill Hickok. So that's more recent. But um, with
0: Luke Hemsworth hmm. and Chris Christopherson. Yeah. Good grief.
1: But um, and then there was another. There was actually another actor in this that I. He's like the. He was the main um like uh bro. No, no, he's the main lab oh. tech, uh, and it's David Paymer, who's yeah. like a really well-known character actor. But it was kind of cool to see him in this um, because I don't know that I've seen him in a ton of things um, when he when he's like younger. I mean, he's
0: um, he's credited here as young scientists, and you're like, yeah, wait, this yeah. guy was young.
1: <laughs> I know because he's already got he's already kind of looked almost like the same. Yeah. Um, But I, you know, I I think of him more in terms of like uh, searching for Bobby Fisher and um, he was in uh, Quiz Show, I think, um, and a couple of others. But I mean, he's really well known and he's in like a ton of stuff in addition to movies. He's also been on some uh, sitcoms and things like that. But he always has like that very specific look, which I was like, oh, this is this is very different um, to see him here now like because this had to be a pretty early role for him i would imagine um but or maybe maybe i'm wrong maybe he could be he could have been in a ton of stuff because he's just like one of those character actors but it was
0: like his seventh movie
1: um but i did like the whole scene where he's walking down the hall as a as a zombie and the night watchman doesn't even notice and he's like basically half uh, uh yeah. half sort of like uh cut open with the scissors hanging down and everything that, and, okay. nude and the 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 guard is just like, oh, keep going.
0: See you tomorrow. Yeah, that no. was that was OK. That was pretty funny. Uh, yeah, it was it was cool to see him and another actor who shows up as like the the uh, armorer uh, at the police station, Dick Miller. Very, very famous. Uh, well, very recognizable has been in a million things, too. um But older. So like dating back to the 50s, he's been in like, I don't know, four movies a year.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he was definitely like this omnipresent um person um he actually only just died like a couple years ago right like 2019 i think um and uh that was like the other thing is that he like was in a bunch of films that were produced by roger corman and corman is also called out in this It's like corman college and something like that um but no i mean i was really excited to see him he looks so young in this (laughs) um so I don't know. It was and he always kind of plays that guy, though, right?
0: Like a New Yorker. Yeah. A little, yeah. Bit of a tough you know. guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it was. Yeah. So it, they had like a great cast for this um yeah, but he yeah. also he's also i mean obviously if he was working with um corman there's a lot of like the b movie stuff that that you would be in but um he was in uh, the amazon woman women on the moon and that kind of thing piranha gremlins he really like i did enjoy his little snippet here because he wasn't in very long
0: no it was a really short scene and that was kind of Also, like, yeah, we're talking about these actors who we recognize, but none of them had huge roles. It was really the Tom Atkins and Jason Lively show, especially in the second half of the movie. And then we should talk about the leading lady, Jill Whitlow, Mm -hmm. who played Cindy slash Cynthia Cronenberg, who I never had seen, or at least I don't remember seeing her, but she was in Weird Science. Yeah, (laughs) She was in Porky's. Uh, which gives you kind of the idea of the sort of movies that she ended up doing. She didn't have a huge career, um, Hollywood monster, and and things along these lines. So I think she was a scream queen. She's sweet. She's cute. She does a good job in this role. I would say, except for I don't really think that the script made it so that I would think that she and Chris would want to. W- w- she would want to get together with Chris. Who just he he doesn't really have a lot to his character that seems that interesting.
1: No, and he's very, I mean, he's just kind of bland. Um, yeah. And so you kind of want that character to be likable and want the person, the people to end up together. Uh, i And again, this is why I was, she had a lot more chemistry with JC. That's, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I kind of, I'll admit, that's where I thought it was going. I definitely didn't pick up on on. The things that i guess they wanted us to pick up on yeah, but there's um, like
0: no chemistry there for for chris because and i don't know like if they're saying that jason lively was just like really lighthearted guy to have on set i'm like that does not come across in this film no. he is just kind and, of a sad sack
1: yeah and and even just like with her character she didn't have a ton to go on she's like very soft-spoken <laughs> um she's definitely just playing that particular like sorority girl thing they have her dressed in white all the time um and then you know the only time where she really gets to kind of do anything fun is with the flamethrower um and then just to hop back to the armor the fact that they have a flamethrower Um, is pretty funny ridiculous Um, yeah that is a weird thing to have i mean just this sort of unbelievable I
0: i think that was probably supposed to be a joke too but it you know like yeah a lot of the jokes here maybe it looked like would look funnier on in the script or on paper but then you know w- what it looks like is Tom Atkins uh Ray Cameron pointing a gun at this guy who he was just being friendly with and saying give me that fire I uh, you know uh, that that was that flame tour. it's like this feels this feels like a betrayal um not exactly a funny one uh but yeah, so the, I did like the end, the like that final sequence with the flamethrower, and and Ray Cameron is like just kicking ass with like hairspray and his little his little six shooter. And in the front of the house, you've got um Chris and and Cindy kicking ass with a shotgun and a flamethrower. <laughs> like yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of there's some cool scenes there. There's actually an interesting piece of cinematography with a shot of um Detective Ray where the cameras like spinning around him. Did you notice that yep. in the in yeah. the house? I don't know how they did that in the 80s. Uh, if it was there, sure, but it looked good. Yeah, it looked kind of interesting. Uh, it was like really quick and then it was over. But I was like, oh, well, look at that. And like I said, I think most of the effects were good. The slugs were clearly on fishing wire. And I kept yes. seeing it scene after it scene over
1: and over and over again. They were really like terrible. Um,
0: but, but I mean, the slugs themselves looked good. And the, when they w- were going through the grass, I thought like yeah,
1: that was all right.
0: Kind of interesting. Uh, it,
1: the, you know, the one th- the one thing that when they had this tested in front of audiences is that they felt like there wasn't enough action. So they actually added in that scene where they're in the little gardening shed. Yeah, Um, they wanted something a little bit more intense. And so that and. If you think about it, that makes total sense because it's clearly like a closed little set. And so (laughs) they could probably film that after the fact. Um,
0: Yeah, they also added in um, like the original zombie going up the fire escape in that scene.
1: Right. And uh,
0: one or two other things with, um, oh yeah, and and the detective catching the slug in midair. I think that was all added in the reshoots. Yep. yep. And I I do think that probably helped that third act uh, because otherwise it was just like a mow down no, without the lawnmower because that happens in the reshoot but just like take out all these zombies in the front of the house and in the back i felt bad for poor karen mm. karen the sorority sister who was always reading in that room and letting in the cat gordon
1: i know uh,
0: she didn't deserve to go out like that
1: no she didn't that was like bad um but you know i i usually look i usually enjoy i thought that there were some fun things just like what you were saying in terms of just thinking about how this got made and i you know i I get that people can be under the sort of um under the thumb of producers to some extent and at their mercy and so that makes sense to me um but if you look at if the fact that this script was like written in a week they filmed it from like february to april that's not like a ton of time and if you add in sort of just all the things that you would have to do to polish up something like this, even something that's supposed to be kind of um, as cheesy as this, um, I kind of get it. And I like, you know, I kind of like tearing apart or seeing how things were done. Um, and I do think that people are having fun on set, but I definitely agree with you. I don't feel like Jason Lively is really exuding anything. I mean, to me, he's very blank throughout this entire film yeah um i don't have a and and having seen him in like national lampoons european vacation we we, i know that he's capable of it because he was like kind of a smart alec ridiculous thing in there so i'm not quite sure where the decisions were coming in in terms of like how that was informing his um his like his acting performance here um but I
0: don't know. Yeah. This movie is, is, is uh fondly remembered, I would say, because on Rotten Tomatoes, it still has a 74% from critics and 70% from the audience, uh, which I think it doesn't really deserve, uh, especially no, when, we, you know, like when we look at things that we've seen rated much lower that we've, I think are objectively better projects. And, um, you know, we've, we've talked about some of them, uh, Yeah, I would say it probably does not deserve 74% critically or a 70% from the audience. And I think some of that's just nostalgia of like, yeah, I saw this when I was a kid and it was cool. And like maybe the first quote unquote horror movie I ever saw.
1: Yeah. And like the budget for this. And if you I don't know what it translates to, but it was uh, 5 million. Um, And then box office, it only made like around like 600,000 total. Yeah. So and and granted, it did not. Um, it didn't really last in the theaters very long. Like it really didn't, um, and it was not a very wide release. So that probably contributed. And I feel like there was like a lot of other stuff, um, kind of. I don't know that w- was better. So this might not have um, really hit the sort of. Like push the buttons that people wanted them to, I mean, like when you think about the the different sci fi slash horror movies around this time, I mean, like aliens was was in the that year um what else is in that year? um Critters, which is not very good, but it's kind of like the same feeling in the the cheesiness mm-hmm. um the fly. I mean, if you're looking at all this stuff is out there, it isn't totally... Um, um, I I understand why this maybe didn't sort of make it. Um, and then if you have a smaller release too, it's just not, not going to sort of get up there. And then, but now there's such a sort of like people revisit that kind of thing. So I can see why there might be some fond memories of this. Like it definitely was a little bit sillier than some of these things. So maybe... Maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But when I if I was sort of a person um, having a choice, I don't know that this would be the one that I would choose to see in the theater. <laughs> so,
0: Of all the horror movies that came out this year. Yeah, I think you could find something more right. enticing for sure. Um, one other cast member who I just noticed who is in here is uh, Elizabeth Alda, Alan Alda's daughter. Uh, oh, who who yeah. plays one of the like police extras in the in that alley shootout with the? Oh, I
1: saw I saw that one policewoman. I guess that's that's kind of cool.
0: Interesting, huh? Uh, so, but yeah, I I don't know that there's a whole lot more for us to talk about because the plot is not really worth like unpacking play by play. Um, there's just uh, you know, and and like although you know it's it, as we've already mentioned. The fact that Slither comes back to uh, space worms as a as a plot device for creating a zombie apocalypse, right on, man. Um, the aliens kind of bracket this movie. Also, they start off with some pretty laughable alien yes. foam suits running through a, a corridor, mm-hmm. and uh, they finish with an alien spaceship going over the cemetery. Um, so, yeah, I like aliens and and zombies. I think that's a a good, two great tastes that taste great together. Um, But everything in between was a little bit lackluster. Uh, So I think that's all I have to say about Night of the Creeps. Do you have any parting thoughts, AJ?
1: Uh, No parting thoughts. I mean, you know, I think we needed a a break from some series. So I guess it served the, um, served that purpose. But, um, you know, I think that, it's, you know, I do like seeing some of these things just were that were kind of ideas that they were like, okay, we're going to kind of do this kind of a horror film. Um, I just feel like we've built on that. And in this case, even though they do call back, you know, Slither calls back to this, I feel like Slither did a much more successful job um, for a variety of reasons. And and number one is that the script and the the, the sort of like, plot and the pacing of slither was a lot faster but then again they had a bigger budget and they also had so many like the ability to do such better effects than they did at this point so arguably
0: they had better performances from their actors
1: i would say that too um and what a great cast Slither had um but i can see you know the i can see the the effort so i don't want to totally pan this in a, a bad way um but it's sort of like I don't know that this is like so bad it's good to me it's like not quite there I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um so I I enjoyed it more than I have other things like it wasn't completely unwatchable I just think it could have been at least a half an hour shorter.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, half an hour I mean yeah maybe maybe. I mean or exactly if maybe, if they had but... just uh, pe- pepped up some of these scenes a little more um in in the inter- yeah, in the interceding scenes. Um so yeah, I think I think we're going to leave um night of the creeps here and i think we're going to pick up next week with uh some resident evil the raccoon city film that came out not too long ago and h.a i wanted to just bring up quickly i don't know if you've seen it but i know you've read the book but uh station 11 had its last episode air not too long ago and have you finished the, the series or have you watched it
1: I haven't. Um, I actually have a deal with a friend of mine, and we're supposed to, to watch it sort of together. Um, a friend of mine actually recommended this book, but gave the uh, disclaimer because I started to read this during the pandemic, and it is <laughs> like a pandemic-based storyline um i do understand that they've changed some of the the plot to this so i'm curious to see what they've changed um but the cast looks amazing um and it really uh like it's got lori petty and (laughs) uh, himesh patel in it um so i'm really kind of excited to see this and um the book itself is really good um so um You know, like production-wise, at least at the outset, it looks really well done. So have you finished watching the series?
0: Yeah, I did. Uh, And it is, it's a really good series. I mean, it's a great eight episode, you know, limited run series that'll make you think differently about art um, and about, you know, end of the world stuff, because ultimately it's... um, it's a great story about an interesting group of people during an apocalypse. And it's not about the apocalypse necessarily. That's- right.
1: And the book, I mean, that's the thing. And it, it, I think that the things that make it hard to read this book during a pandemic and that this is uh, and spoilers for people who haven't read the book. So don't listen to me if you want to read the book or see the series. Um, but basically, the plot of this is that um, the pandemic in this particular storyline wipes out like mm, like something like ninety nine percent of the planet. Um, so of the population of the planet. So you're talking like very few people left around the world. And I am curious to see what they do with the storyline. Cause at least in the book, there's like a few different story arcs in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they're all connected, but they are with like different people and it is a really cool book. So if you haven't read it, definitely do so. It, it's really well done. Um, and especially if you could deal with, you know, reading it during a pandemic. So I'm curious to see what they've done with the storyline here in the, in the series. Cause it's um, but I know that they probably had to, cause you, you have, there's so many different um, it's a pretty like broad cast of characters. So if you don't winnow down some of it, you're not going to be able to tell everything well. So yeah, my guess yeah. is, is that they, they combine some things, but.
0: Uh, My understanding is they did make some changes. They added some stuff, maybe cut some stuff out, but like you were talking about with that cast, I mean, Mackenzie Davis plays, um, one of the characters and she's fantastic. Uh, there's an amazing child actor in this show called Matilda Lawler, who plays that, who plays Mackenzie Davis's younger self. And she is honestly like the best acting I've seen from a kid. Just like, and she, she like evolves, man. Like she, uh, Sometimes in some scenes, she looks like she's really little. And in some scenes, she acts like she's a teenager. And I'm Mm. just like, how did they do this with the same person? Um, Totally cool. And like you said, Lori Petty, Gael Garcia Bernal, um, David Cross is in this. Uh, So they find and they find some great, great cast members. Anyway, so I I do recommend seeing it. It has no zombies in it. So don't get your hopes up for that. Oh,
1: You know who else is in this is uh, 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 Daniel Zavato. Yeah. Uh, from Fear the Walking Dead. Um, Wait. so
0: Fear the Walking Dead? Yeah. Well, oh, who's he in Fear the Walking Dead?
1: Isn't he, isn't he Daniel Zavato? Isn't he Jack? Am I wrong?
0: I do, do. Fear the Walking Dead. Jack. Wait, he was uh, the guy on the radio who lured Alicia? Yeah. Uh, he doesn't look anything like that guy in this. I did not recognize him. Fantastic. Uh,
1: so another, you know.
0: He's amazing in this, too. I, I should I shouldn't. I mean, I, everybody, there was no like performance that I was like, oh, that kind of sucked. It was just really good. So, yeah, uh, H-A, I'd say get on it. Watch that series. It's fun. Um, and I would recommend it to anybody else, too.
1: All right. So I'm going to get on that and then we can talk about it maybe as a postscript to this to our show <laughs> as opposed to fully reviewing it. Yeah. But you I'm know, there's there's no
0: zombies, it. but yeah.
1: Cool. Okay. Um, well, all right. Well, I look forward to, to chatting about. Yeah. Um, the, you know, my ever favorite uh Resident Evil series, or <laughs> uh-huh, next uh-huh. time,
0: yeah. Uh, we'll see how this works with this reboot, and uh, we'll see if it also spawns seven or eight movies, um, in the future that HA not going to want to watch, yeah. Yeah, uh- so, so give us a holler. You can reach us the usual ways on Twitter, Reanimated Pcast. We're on, uh, you can email us at reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com and our show notes are always online at reanimatedpodcast.com. So uh, give us a shout um, and let us know, you know, if if you disagree with our review of uh, Night of the Creeps, I get it. Um, if it's your favorite film and you think it deserves more than a 74% audience score in Rotten Tomatoes, let me know. Uh, and then join us again next time when we are talking about uh, Resident Evil.
1: And thanks for listening. Ciao.
0: Bye.